Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, global, our licensing arm, think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown. Let's talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you're talking sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to ultimately being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Mike Lynch. Coming up today, we speak with Noah Garden, Chief Revenue Officer of Major League Baseball as the regular season begins. Anytime culture gets involved in the business, it sees a huge, a huge um, acceleration. That's straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's look at some of the top stories of the week. Nice to see Tiger back on the green. It's his week for the Masters. Tiger Woods scar means a lot for golf. He means a ton for golf. There have been academic studies done on this. In fact, I just dug one up. This is from back in 2012, which is exactly a decade ago um, when Tiger Woods was at his peak. And they looked at his value to the economics of golf, and they determined that from the period of 2000 to 2010, um, the Nike golf ball division made an additional $103 million because of Tiger Woods' endorsement because they got an additional $9.9 million in sales. So revenue, a $9.9 million sales bump from Tiger Woods' endorsement, and then that filtered down into a profit of $103 million. And Moreover, having Tiger Woods endorse a brand led to a price premium of about 2.5%. Remember back in the day, 2.5% was a pretty good price premium when inflation wasn't running at 8%. Also, more than half of Nike's investment of $181 million with Tiger Woods was recovered just in U.S. golf ball sales alone. And think about the impact that Tiger Woods has had all over the world, in Asia, in Africa, in Europe. It's something else. You know, he's approaching the status of a Muhammad Ali, known worldwide. Uh, and and the, the, when he made the announcement that he was just coming up to Augusta to practice to see if he was going to play, it created a buzz that Frenzy. we haven't heard around Frenzy. the golf world. Frenzy is a good word, yes. There were a gaggle of photographers chronicling his every move the minute he set foot on Augusta National. You know, and I always think of Tiger Woods now with Ben Hogan. The, the mm-hmm. famous story, Ben Hogan, yeah, obviously just kicking tail on the tour, and then one day he has a serious car crash, and there was talk, well, is Ben Hogan ever going to play golf again? I never thought Tiger Woods was ever going to play golf again at the very high competitive level, but my goodness, he's beaten the odds. Can you imagine, by the way, and we were talking about this off the air, that he's got a brace on, mm-hmm. and 
if it's one of those races where there's copper in it or something, whatever, and it's open, can you imagine he could endorse that and make a lot of money <laughs> off of that? We Go should ahead. call it the business of sports brace. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mar, Bar, you were saying that it was his right leg that was almost amputated. Right? Yeah, the right leg. And it, that's important because that's the pivot leg. That's the pivot for his game. That's that's the pivot leg. And it, that's worse. You know, it, it's one of those things where as his future continues on in golf, we'll see how many tournaments he gets into. But it's just nice to see him back out how there. How old is his son? That's the question because everyone's going to be looking for a young tiger. What is it? <laughs> 13 14 or something whatever so yeah charlie yep yeah charlie is he yeah it won't be long I promise. charlie axelwoods <laughs> born 2009 13 years old yeah oh my goodness <laughs> go charlie uh hey it's the infancy of the major league baseball season Woo-hoo! we didn't know it would happen and now it is and now here we are you know it just i, I oh my goodness i am so happy uh that we're playing baseball. Uh, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred, he said, you know what? Eh, adding that pitch clock on the priority list for owners, that's eh, not a bad idea, Scar. Not a bad idea. I wonder, do players feel the need to speed up the game as well to make it more entertaining, to shorten the time, to increase the drama? Or are they more devoted to their process? Do they need the process to, to do their job well? I mean, because it's going to need buy-in, right? Whatever rule changes they make under the new collective bargaining agreement. Well, they, they do have a, a committee uh, of some former players, current players, umpires to to, to study this. Uh, there's been some pretty interesting data out here, and I don't think that any Major League Baseball player uh, would argue with this. The games are three minutes longer than they were two years ago. They're 15 year, minutes longer than they were in 2011. Oh. And they're 31 minutes longer than they were in 1984 when the average time for a Major League Baseball game was two hours and 40 minutes. Now it's three hours <laughs> and 10 minutes. And then oh. in the playoffs, it's even worse. Oh, my goodness. By the way, AAA, they're going to use a 14-second clock with no runners on base and 19 seconds with runners on. So I like to see if that works in AAA. Let's see it carry over now into MLB. And also, the Class A West League ran it last year. They ran a pitch clock, and before the pitch clock, the average game was three hours and two minutes. With the pitch clock, two hours forty-one minutes. Do you think that'll make a it, difference? Is is that going to bring people back to the ballpark? You know, oh, it, it'll be a shorter game. In sitcoms, they make fun of how long the game is. Oh, and a beach ball's been tossed on the field, and now we're going to see which of the umpires are going to get it. Oh, my goodness. This this goes on. That's a Simpsons bit, by the way. It was, I, I was thinking just that. <laughs> I mean, if people are making fun of it, obviously there's something we got to do about it. And right, but the value of a game, though, even when you shorten it, means that people are still – if a family for going to the ballpark is still out $500 going to the game, even if it's shorter, is it still something that they want to see? Well, yeah, because I yeah. think of in the NBA. The reason why the NBA is one of the most watched is because the games are short. You can you can watch the games at, what is it, about two hours, 15, 20 minutes. You can see the game, bit, bat, boom. I mean, that's this is why on Christmas Day we've got like a plethora of games, what, four or five games on Christmas Day <laughs> the broadcasters love it because we can fit all that in during the broadcast. I think we do have to shorten up the game, except I do not like that ghost runner rule. At burn it, burn it, <laughs> he said, burn it. <laughs> fumes are coming out of bars here. I agree that we need to shorten the game. Uh, they need to shorten the game. It's not my game. But I just wonder if fixing that will kind of um, reveal that there are still other things that, that need to be addressed, and we're not quite there yet. Speaking of the NBA, uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, he is focused on examining a trend of star players not participating in a full complement of games. I, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, Lynchy, if this started back some time ago when Greg Popovich 
<laughs> with the uh, San Antonio Spurs. I forgot who it was that he put down as a reason for them not playing, and he put down old. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. But And that's when people started to say, hey, wait a minute, man. It's like, why is it? Why are Should they... we use that excuse next time when we're not able to come to work? Well, I want to use that tomorrow. It's uh, old. <laughs> it just says so much. But, I mean, what we do – if you're going to a game and you're paying money for yeah. a game, I'm not talking about an injury now. I'm talking about, you know, didn't just someone like didn't feel like playing. And, it, you know, people paid to see the stars, Scar and, and Lynchy. This is entertainment, folks. And it's like going to a Broadway show and not having the, the lead actor perform and having the understudy come in because the lead actor is feeling old. Is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> essentially what you're saying. <laughs> I was looking at how many games are in a regular season or the the number of games 82 that's the same as the nhl's regular season and i feel like the nhl regular season is a lot more taxing how taxing is a full suite of games for an nba player lynchy do you think it, it, it's very taxing i mean they in, in hockey uh, every minute and a half or so you're back on the bench uh, for uh, a line change in basketball you're out there for the entire game uh, unless you're substituted for so there's a lot of running up and down the floor playing defense rebounding uh, it is grueling but you know compared to years past when the players actually traveled to games by train or on commercial airlines they have these luxury team flight planes now that have lounges in there they have beds in there they eat well they sleep on the plane and I, I'm just not buying this. And I'm not buying the commissioner either, who I think is, is, is the best of all the four commissioners, saying that they need more incentives for the players. Incentives? And the guy's making $32 million a year, and you need more incentives for him to play and play hard? Yeah, there's some talk it. about, what, an in-season tournament? Um, yeah. What, what does that even mean, or what does that look like? Well, it's to generate some interest. Well, let's have a little bit of a tournament here. We'll have an, an incentive. We'll give each player on the winning team a million dollars with a little mini tournament in the middle to of the year. To play a little sort of harder? Like a, to yeah, care about it yeah. a little more? It would be like a little winter carnival. Whoa, we won the winter carnival last year. Woohoo! <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> That's what they're going to do, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're right. Uh, I mean, I, I don't understand, you know, incentive. You, you're getting paid upon paid. And. I mean, heck, if someone said, okay, we're going to give you, uh, Michael Barr, $32 million to come in and do newscast, it, trust me, we are way to Sam Hill off base with that. But I'm coming in every day, and, and I will wear a hat saying zippity doo I don't need any more incentive. So I don't understand. Does it mean fewer games? I mean, you've got much of yes. America working from home uh, Mondays and Fridays, NBA players, as, as much as they're living out their childhood dreams, it's a job as well for them. And I'm not saying they can never work from home, but you know maybe they have some burnout issues as well. And a shorter season is something that they want and that the NBA commissioner might be amenable to. Just putting well, it I, out there. I, I, don't, I don't have a stance either way. I mean, 82 games, the 41 home games, uh, if you own the team, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money that comes in every game from concessions, ticket sales, television yeah. revenue, and not to mention the people that work in the arenas. Um, that's, you know, one, one night of pay that they're not going to receive. And all the ancillary, the restaurants, and every time this happens, we talk about all the the ancillary fallout. So I don't. I think the owners would really would dig their heels in and reducing the number of games. Have you guys been watching Winning Time on HBO? I have. Yes. I have got. I have got to watch it. I, in fact, this weekend I'm going to make the time to watch. <laughs> it's Winning great. Time. It's very throwback, but it just reminds me of you know Jerry Buss and his his team, his staff trying to come up with ways to maximize uh, the use of the forum and, and making sure they can fill it and all the ancillary business that they could be doing when the games are not being held at the forum. Very quickly on a serious note, uh, and Lynchy, this is in your wheelhouse. Boston Marathon, uh, the organizers have banned runners from Russia and Belarus ahead of the race, uh, which is April 18th. Yeah, this is something that the uh, Boston Athletic Association just came up with. <clears throat> earlier uh, in the week and if you don't re you can run in the race if you're a Belarus or Russian citizen and do not reside in Belarus or Russia you may run in the Boston Marathon but if you reside in, in and you have been accepted you money will be refunded uh, those who are allowed to run are not allowed to run under their country's flag and when you come down the home stretch at the Boston Marathon 
down Boylston Street when you turn the corner from Hereford Street. Uh, the flags of, of all the nations that are represented in the, the 30,000 people that run in this race line the, uh, the final uh, the route down Boylston Street. So the Belarus and Russian flags will not be flying in this year's Boston Marathon. Having said that, these are not countries that typically boast a lot of um, star runners, are they? No. Most of the the winners uh, have come from uh, many African nations, uh, Kenya, Ethiopia, most recently. And But, you know, it's... it's 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 a people's race. It's yeah, it's more yeah. than an elite race, and, and there are there are runners from from those countries who participate every year. But yeah, I, actually, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at a number here. Um, it just says that before the pandemic in 2019, 56 were from Russia, three from Belarus, out of more than 30,000 people who signed yeah. up for the Boston Marathon. So. That gives you some context. And I think it's, I think it's going to be hard to, to police this. I mean, they, they can run it themselves anyway. If Nobody's going to jump in like Jock Semple did with Catherine Switzer 50 years ago in 1972 and tackle her as she was running mm-hmm. in the race. Yeah. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. By the way, really quick, the National Football League urged by six state attorneys general to improve working conditions for female employees following allegations that the organization is a hostile workplace for the women. New York Attorney General Letitia James said in a statement to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell he should take swift action in response to reports that dozens of former employees described a pervasive culture of sexism and widespread workplace discrimination, Scar. This sounds like front office stuff, but also what happens in in the locker rooms and and anywhere else where the NFL is represented through players, through executives. And this is because you've had several employees give testimony describing incidents where they were clearly made to feel very uncomfortable, made to feel victimized by their male managers. Well, you have 1,100 employees at the NFL. 37% are women. So obviously... We're going to see if something's going to get done about this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. After a contentious labor dispute between players and team owners that lasted much of the winter, the 2022 MLB regular season is finally here. We have a great guest to tell us what's in store for baseball this season. We're joined by MLB Chief Revenue Officer Noah Garden. Noah, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, there are so many questions. Baseball is back. Thank goodness. Their crowds are going to be in the stands. Thank goodness for that. How happy are you that baseball is back in general? 
Well, listen, I've been a baseball fan long before I started working here, a little over 20 years ago. So, um, you know, this time of year has always been special to me. You know, the weather starts to change. You start to see the sun a little more. And to me, baseball's in the air. And so, um, you know, it's a time of year that puts a smile on my face. And uh, the fact that we're getting them back on the field, you know, that is uh, it's exciting for all of us. I just wonder, and I know that you were not part of the collective bargaining agreement negotiations, but during that time when things were really in flux, what was the working environment like for your team? Because you still have to plan ahead for the season to come, as well as the start of adding a corporate partner patch to the 2023 season. Can you give me a sense of the the pace of work and the pace of discussions and idea generation during this uncertain time? Yeah, I would say for us, you know, really work never stopped. I mean, you know, the commissioner, I think, um, you know, was pretty clear in most of his statements during that time that, you know, we expected to get a deal done with the players, one that um, was fruitful for both sides and that we'd play, you know, hopefully a full season. And so, you know, our partners were tremendously supportive. And, you know, we operated like it was sort of business as usual. And with that, people like to joke around with me, what did we do in the offseason? And I tell them the offseason is actually busier for us sometimes than, than the season because once the season goes, you know, everything's sort of in play and, and moving. So from my perspective, um, you know, we were every bit as busy as we normally were. Hey, no, it's Mike Lynch up in Boston. Let me ask you about corporate advertising. When we were the first year of COVID, a lot of these big sponsors just couldn't re-up with many, many different clubs, including a club like like the New York Yankees. What's been the retention rate from last year to this year with some of your big sponsors? You know, it's been, you know, if you take a look at our business, you know, we've announced a lot of new partnerships. I would say the partnership business in general has a tremendous amount of momentum. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, just a changing environment. You know, when big brands now want to reach a large audience, um, you know, they have a lot of choices, but certainly live is really on the top of their list. And if you think about what baseball brings to the fans and to partners is, you know, for six months we're on every single day and we have, you know, a tremendous amount of games and uh, a big, big platform. So, you know, this year we have a lot of new folks, um, new faces coming on board like Capital One in the banking category, um, you know, we split um, the beer category, which was historically Anheuser-Busch, and now will be Anheuser-Busch and Corona. You know, we have some, you know, we have a new deal coming this year with Dairy Queen. And uh, so it's been vibrant. Um, you know, we, we found that, you know, in this, um, you know, this environment, people still um, need to reach their fans and, and potential customers. And, you know, our platform has helped to achieve that. Can you clarify more about the months in baseball where the the revenue really picks up? The the way I've heard it described, April and May, it's nice. And, you know, but school is still in. You might get the safety patrol coming in to get tickets from the school to see the game. But then once all the, the kids are out of school, June from then on, it's on. Can you describe more about that? Yeah, you know what? It depends on on which business line. So from a ticketing perspective, certainly we see that, right? I mean, you see a big, you know, obviously opening day is sold out, you know, if not everywhere, just about everywhere. And so, you know, everybody wants to get back in the ballpark and their team's in first place. And so that's why you see the stadiums filling up, as you see this week. Um, And then, you know, again, obviously the summer's obviously a huge time for us. That's when you think of families and you think of the summer and you think of traveling. You know, we are very fortunate that, you know, a lot of people plan their summer travel around our events, right? There's a lot of families that want to see multiple ballparks that they've never seen before. So, you know, you just, it it, kind of changes over time. And then when September hits, you know, obviously you have the, the race for the pennant and all the exciting races in each division that, you know, kick off its own sort of hysteria um, from a ticket perspective. Now that said, switching gears from a merchandise perspective, you know, April is among the hottest months, really the only months that are that are better than April are really the holiday time for us. Um, but April is when, you know, we launch a lot of new product. We launch a lot of new jerseys. You saw just this week we launched the new City Connect jersey in Washington with the Nationals, which was really a re- – we've never sold more jerseys ever than we did during that launch. And so, you know, April's a big, big time to launch new products on the merchandise side of our business. And then we also do, you know, I would say the partnership side of our business is a little more 
um, you know, a little more linear. So we have obviously our tent poles throughout the year, which if you think about it, uh, the main ones are obviously opening day, then you have all-star and then you have the postseason. And then we've layered in a lot of things over the years. Like we have field of dreams, which will be back in August this year and other events. And so from a partnership perspective, those tent poles are really, um, really, really big, big times where you see our partners activate in a large way. Well, kind of following on what Michael Barr just asked, do your partners time their their sponsorship, their um, ad sale, their their advertisements, and and any other um, appearances they make with the teams to coincide with you know the start of summer when the season really gets going, or does everything start in April regardless? I mean, I'm just curious how customized they can they can make this. Yeah, it is very customized. It doesn't all start in April. I mean, a lot of times when you have partners, you got to sort of see what their product line looks like or what they're trying to accomplish and what time of year they're trying to focus in. Mm -hmm. And depending on that and how that lines up, we put together programs that sort of amplify the message that they're trying to get across to our fans and their customers. And so that that is, you know, that could be in the middle of summer as it could be at the end of the year or it could be at the beginning of the season. But it's not not every new partner comes out of the blocks you know, on opening day and, you know, starts to activate in a big way. That's that's really based on different things that they're trying to accomplish. So it is very customized. No, and no pun intended, but um, a new revenue stream that has uh, come on in all sports and Major League Baseball has been part of it is streaming. Tell me what's uh, what's on the horizon now in terms of Major League Baseball partnerships with, uh, with, with streaming games. You know, listen, we've, you know, the linear bundle as it exists today is still probably, if not the most important, one of the most important revenue streams in the industry. The challenge that we have is even within that bundle, reach has become an issue. And you have, you have, you know, you have your cord cutters, which is a, you know, a very small amount of people, but then you have your cord nevers. Um, and then you have people that are sort of within the more traditional bundle that no longer get access to your product. Streaming provides us with an ability to expand our reach to where we can get to all of our fans, both you know the next generation of fans and existing fans. And so we have you know new deals on the horizon. We announced the Apple deal, um, so Apple will be um, broadcasting a doubleheader on Friday nights this year. That will be in front of a paywall, so it'll be national games exclusive to Apple, but free on their platform. And, you know, when you talk about their platform, in this case, it's Apple Plus. That doesn't mean you need an Apple device to access these games. Apple Plus is, is available on all devices, Android and otherwise. So, you know, basically, any if you have a device that streams, you are able to get this. And, you know, we're hoping that it increases reach, you know, and people that find themselves outside the bundle. You know, you got to kind of go and reach our fans where they are. And this is just another example of us trying to achieve that. And then you'll see you'll see other stuff that we haven't announced yet on the streaming side, but we will over the next couple of weeks that, you know, furthers that strategy also. And I'm glad you mentioned that you don't need an Apple device to be able to see those games, because I think that's something that's not clear, especially because Apple is so proprietary with uh, their hardware. I want to ask about um, what you can learn from the other professional sports leagues and and other sports. You watch the excitement of the NFL playoffs, that idea that any team can win on any given Sunday, college basketball with the upsets. What impresses you about how the NFL or the NCAA monetize their honor product? And do you think it's something that the MLB can adopt or alter or pick up or borrow from those events? Yeah, listen, I think that technology is playing an increasingly important role in how you broadcast the game. The other thing I think you have to take into consideration now is, you know, you talk about streaming and you talk about, you know, traditional, let's call it linear TV broadcasts. You know, each audience expects something different, right? And it's about broadcasting in a way to engage with that audience. You know, when you're streaming, it offers you just a different ability. There's other things you can bring in. There's other stats. There's other overlays that technology can come become a bigger part of it. When it becomes... Um, on the linear side, you know, we've on MLB Network have tried a number of different things. Last year we had sort of CC's Clubhouse, which was um, CC Sabathia really just sitting with friends. And interesting how that came about is CC said, hey, you know, I love sitting around, you know, with former players and my friends and watching the game and the conversation that, you know, that happens during those times is something that, you know, the world should see. And we said, you know what, let's do broadcasts like that rather than have sort of a traditional booth, you know, and more of a structure 
structured scenario where, you know, from a broadcast standpoint, let's try that. And, you know, we've tried a lot of different things. And I think all the leagues have, have been doing that. You see that in the NFL with the Manning caps. Yep. You know, you see different technology coming into play. And so that's on the forefront of making sure that, you know, on every device that we reach out to our fans that we're offering a product that's different. So you won't see on the Apple games, you won't see it the same way you see you would see that game on traditional TV and vice versa. You just answered the question no, that I was thinking of. That's about <laughs> how you would see it. And Lynchy, I, I was thinking of the same thing. It's like we're the we're the older guys uh, watching stuff, and and now the younger crowd is is watching Apple. Uh, Lynchy, I'm sorry, I was just it just popped no, in my it, head. It, I that, had a brief that's a perfect segue. Because speaking of the younger people, <laughs> talk about the demographics of, of sports betting and, and the demographics of the fan that's being driven to watch the game or attend the game. Yeah, listen, sports betting is interesting. I, I think that for us, I look at it as an engagement platform, right? You, you know, we, we directly don't make any money from sports gambling. Obviously, there's sponsorship opportunities and partnership opportunities. But from the actual bets on the game, you know, we don't make money off, off that part of the equation. That said, people that um, are hardcore and gamble on games and will engage with a game longer. And I think that's one of the things where you look at these different platforms. I don't think we'll ever, my word, really over-gamblify a broadcast of a game. What I do think we will do is have alternative broadcasts for people that are specifically looking for that type of content. And that way we can give that fan what they want and what they're looking for. And so as that continues to evolve that space and you see more sort of in-game betting and stuff like that, my guess is they're going to gravitate to sort of these alternative broadcasts. And, you know, because, you know, listen, our sport is still, as I mentioned earlier, we're a family sport, right? We're, you know, in the summer, I want to take my kids to games and knock off three or four different stadiums. You know, you don't want to be in a situation where my kid now is watching Watching, you know the regular broadcast uh, on Friday night or Monday night or Sunday night and see thousand gambling ads or all these different gambling commentary you know you have to sort of deliver that to the right audience at the right time but I do think that that audience is hungry for data um, you know we've invested a tremendous amount in data you know with the statcast data and the things that PC people talking about exit velocity things that they didn't talk about you know ten years ago and things so that type of really deep association with data is something that you're going to see in these alternative broadcasts to address that market. So I'm riding in the car with my dad. I'm about 10. And all of a sudden I said, Daddy, the man on the radio is talking about the MLB Jersey patch program. What's the Jersey patch program? (laughs) The Jersey patch program is is a, listen, it's a tremendous opportunity for a partner at the local level to have an association that's really unprecedented with, you know, Major League Baseball teams. Other sports have, you know, have already climbed this mountain. You know, for us, we wanted to be sort of methodical in our approach. You know, we saw what was going out, what was going on and what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, we put together a program where, on the one hand, it provides a real opportunity of value for partners and another revenue stream for local clubs. Talk about the revenue stream for local clubs. How will that be split between the MLB and the team specifically? So it won't be split. I mean, this is a local sale like every other sponsorship sale or partnership sale they have at the local level. Obviously, on a overall level, we have a revenue sharing program that all teams participate in, you know, and it'll be subject to the same sort of you know, revenue sharing conditions that any other uh, piece of revenue at the local level would. But when they sell it, it's their revenue. Okay. I, I have another question because I just thought of it, given what you said about how you're not making money off of betting companies. All jersey patch designs will be reviewed by uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association, but there are certain categories that are restricted from participating in the program. Is that right? Including alcohol, yeah. betting, and media brands? I'm, I'm curious why that yeah. is when Anyone who watches the broadcast will be deluged by beer commercials and DraftKings and all the other things that, that are banned or restricted from participating in this Jersey Patch program. So it's a fair question, and I think it comes down to association. And again, for us, it comes down to sort of the, the family dynamic. You know, there's certain types of advertising that we accept that are in certain places. Gambling in particular, we actually do limit the amount of ads that you can see during a game, both locally and nationally. You know, last year that was, I want to say it was two commercials during the game, and I think we're going to extend that this year. We're looking at it right now, maybe adding a third. And when you talk about gambling in general, you know, to us, it, it very much 
concerned about the integrity of the sport first and foremost. And I think when you think about the patch program, it's, a, it's sort of the same thing. We just don't feel comfortable putting alcohol or gambling or something like that that's just going to be on the forefront of our brand and specifically addressed to a lot of our younger audience. But they're all over the stadium. I mean, there are beer ads or um, beer logos everywhere in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's right. It just it comes down to the it just comes down to the sort of lo- the location of the ad, how close you get to players, different parts of the ballpark. Those are all kind of things that even when we talk about gambling and last year, you know, there were certain parts of the ballpark you could have that sort of advertising, and other parts that you couldn't have. You know, a certain amount that could be on EVI and a certain amount that couldn't. Again, we're realistic. It's out there. To your point, you see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But the question is, and then again, it's like it's sort of like the way we're thinking of you know gambling broadcasts in general and why we would go to an alternative stream is you know there's a certain amount that probably everybody can that's okay for everybody but when as you get deeper into certain categories they're just a time and a place for it and i think that's kind of how we we look at those things so no is a helmet decal not far behind the jersey patch so as part of the new CBA, we do have um, the rights to sell the helmet decal. The way we're looking at that right now is we're not we're currently not planning on doing that for the regular season. You know, again, we're launching the on the jersey. We think that probably goes far enough right now. You will see it sold on a national level um, for the postseason. You know, when whether we do that for this year or not, it'll just depend on if we find the right partner and how we do it is sort of a little up in the air. You know, are we going to do it by do the DS different than the LCS, different than the World Series, or all the postseason for one partner? So we still have, you know, still some T's to cross and I's to dot, but, you know, we'll, we will be selling it on a national level for postseason. The baseball card market continues I to knew be you're revitalized. Going I knew you were going there. <laughs> I'm just impressed how this continues on, and now there are new ways to invest in baseball cards. Can you take us through what this means for baseball and how people are investing in baseball cards? Well, Michael, you're going to have to tell me when I should stop because um, <laughs> one thing you don't know about me is I am a huge baseball collector. That's that I started when I was probably seven years old. And when you talk about throwing it out, if my wife could throw out my cards, we've now we, I, I now have I, I can't even tell you how many cards in my house. So I, I remain how many boxes? Um, how many boxes? No, oh, I mean I, I think I probably I have over a million cards, and that's from all sports, <laughs> all years. It's uh, I, I buy cards like uh, it's a joke around here at the office. So anyway, I love to talk about baseball cards. Listen, this is a this is a business that has just exploded. And you know, listen, the pandemic had the pandemic accelerated a lot of different things. It accelerated streaming, quite frankly. You know, without the pandemic, I don't think my mother would be calling me saying, "Hey, have you watched Ozark?" I would have thought she'd be the last person <laughs> to figure out how to use Netflix, right? Like, but now she does that, and so. Um, from my perspective, another thing in the pandemic, you know, one of the things that people did is they, you know, these these online breakers, and you know, really what they were were people that were buying cases of cards, but then splitting it up in a way that allowed people to purchase sort of little pieces of those cases at a much smaller investment level, and it created a lot of great content, and I kind of think it, it revitalized um, sort of collecting in general, and you know, on top of that, now you have a tremendously um, accelerated emergence, emerging market in the NFT space, and it's really all combining. And, uh, you know, lots of people, it's become a big part of culture. And any time culture gets involved in the business, it sees a huge, a huge um, acceleration. And that's what you've seen in, in this category. I mean, for me, it's always been huge, but um, the numbers, I, I mean, the numbers of people that are buying cards now mm-hmm. is more than any time in the history of card collecting and i would venture to say cumulatively over you know the last 10 years i think more did bought cards last year in one year so you know the numbers are really staggering how's the mlb leveraging that if you think about it they were always called baseball cards right i i still use baseball cards as as a term to sort of catch a catch-all for all my cards Mm -hmm. you know we have a tremendously deep history in cards and you know some of the most expensive cards in the world are are baseball cards and i think that you know so you sort of think of baseball when you think of cards but we continue if you take see what our our partners tops has done they've launched this sort of tops now product which means if something tonight 
happens, whether it's a no hitter or some sort of other event, you know, they offer these limited cards for 24 to 36 hours afterwards that you can commemorate that event. So the, the product has really evolved. You know, it used to be sort of you buy your box of cards and you open your box of cards and you went on. Now there's, you know, different types of cards for different types of collectors, right? There's more expensive cards that are limited. There's more, you know, general production cards. Tops are doing tops now. And then obviously with our partners over at Candy and Tops, um, we're doing NFT cards. Um, so that's, uh, you know, another exciting addition to collecting in general. Final question from me, you know, uh, younger fans. It's a question that comes up for everybody. Are you concerned? Are you encouraged uh, with their engagement in Major League Baseball? Yeah, you know what? I, I think that uh, we are. I mean, if you think if you think about Major League Baseball, you know, we were, you know, I started working here in, at the end of 2000. And I started actually at MLB.com. So my history was, you know, really started on the tech side. You know, we were the first to deliver a sports app um, on the new iPhone in 2005. We were actually streaming games in 2002. It was actually before Netflix. With the, they were still shipping out their uh, DVDs. You know, we, hmm. so we've right. been in this technology space for a long time. And I think people lose sight of that. And as a result of us having, having done that, we have a tremendous audience on the digital side, and we've had them for quite some time. A lot of times people look at demographics in general, and they look at, you know, sort of TV numbers, Nielsen numbers, and they they try to connect those dots and talk about the age of your fan or the health of your sport. I think what they've missed this whole time is the fact that we've been, again, we've been streaming, and we've had products that were, you know, digitally. We've had the number one sports app since 2005. So if you look at the numbers of engagement and the age Age of engagement on those platforms, um, you know, they, they've been among the highest. It's about the amount of minutes that are consumed on our apps are more than, you know, just as much as ESPN during the summer. And then we're just one sport, ESPN's, you know, multiple sports. So, um, you know, we're sort of a victim of our own success on the digital side. But, you know, we've, if you see, you know, especially with the City Connect and, and the jerseys that we've launched, if you see the success of those, you know that our younger fans are engaging with us in a huge way. And there's been a tremendous amount of momentum that's going into the season. And so, um, you know, more to come, but you see it through the partnerships and the ticket sales and, and all that stuff and our merchandise sales. So all, all of them, you know, even merchandise sales, we had a record year last year in merchandise mm. sales. So you can think about that. You're in the middle of a pandemic, right? I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of Manhattan. Most stores were, were closed. Somehow they were getting our product and they had to go out of their way to get that. We sold more product last year by 50% more than we've ever sold in the history of our sport. You know, again, that just goes to show you that our fans are, you know, highly engaged and engaged to a point where they have to actually go out of their way to get what they're looking for in the middle of the pandemic. So, you know, we're, we're happy where things stand, excited about the new season. And uh, at least right now, all our teams are in first place, basically. So <laughs> it's always a good, April's always a great time of year. Noah Garden, Chief Revenue Officer for Major League Baseball. Thank you. I hope you had a lot of fun, and uh, thank you so much for laying your knowledge on us. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here and uh, always around. So uh, uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> Take care, Noah. Thank you, Noah. Right, thanks, All Noah. Right, Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. 
And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Noah Garden laid some knowledge about a lot of things about the way that baseball today is generating revenue. It's a far cry, Scarlett, from the way it used to be where, okay, you could put some advertising out there in the outfield and make sure we got our beer sales and hot dog sales at the stadium. And if we're really lucky, we can sell the game of the week, but it has totally changed. It's totally changed. It's all about monetizing. And of course, this patch um, program that they have that does not start this season, it'll start the following season, is really interesting because of all the different rules that they have in place, how they're not going to feature certain kinds of sponsors, for instance, no uh, gambling companies, no beer companies, no alcohol companies, but you go to the stadium and it's all around you through the beer sales, through, I don't know, Heineken or Budweiser billboards everywhere. Does it matter at any point whether the players have a patch on their jersey that does or doesn't have a certain kind of company on there? People, it's the entire atmosphere that you absorb, that you take in. I think when you're watching the game, the close-ups of the batter, especially if it's on the sleeve, you're going to notice it. If there's a runner on base, a pitcher's looking in for signs, it goes into the stretch, you'll notice the patch. So it's it, you won't notice it as much when you're sitting at the ballpark. It's inescapable while watching it on television. Maybe, but then you're also going to get the Bear commercial blasted at you right after that play ends and they throw the runner out at first and later on that day are you going to remember the difference you're just going to know that you were bombarded by beer ads i remember as a kid when we collected baseball cards i mean the kids we were all into it and of course you you talk to our parents it's like what what is this all around the house it's like you know but now as we are older my generation yeah i i collect baseball cards the younger generation is collecting baseball cards. But more importantly, my generation, we have more money to spend on baseball cards and the way we invest. And I think that's one of the reasons why the baseball card market- Your generation is hoarding baseball cards? Yes, we hoard. He he said during the interview, Noah Garten, that he has, what, about a million? A million baseball cards? Where does he store them? God. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, where yeah, where do you put those, man? It takes up a lot of space. Yeah, it's I'm I'm sure Mrs. Garden would like to talk <laughs> Mrs. Garden in terms of his mom or his spouse. <laughs> Both. <laughs> you, know, you know what surprised me when he told me that told us that last year was a record year for merchandise sales in baseball, mm-hmm. up fifty percent, the most in history. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Is it people because of the pandemic? Last year, people were in the ballpark. But during the pandemic, were they watching so many games and say, you know what, the Dodgers really have cool uniforms. I think I'd like to have one of their hats. I like the Atlanta Braves uh, jerseys. I think maybe I'll get one of those myself. But I I, I can't put my finger on why 50% leap in merchandise sales. I know. Just last year. Why last year as opposed to any other year? I mean, maybe people felt better going to an outdoor event sporting event as opposed to if you were to go to an nba game or an nhl game for a lot of venues you couldn't it wasn't full capacity but if you were going to an outdoor ballpark then you know it can film up and people wanted to be there and this is the diy economist explanation for it maybe people wanted to feel more invested in part of part of the festivities and that entailed buying really expensive jerseys my goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since a kid. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Hey, kids, drink your Bosco chocolate and huddle around the set. Because guess what time it is? That's right. <laughs> it's time for the number of the week. And listen. There's a special prize in there for you for each and every one of you guys who think you know the answer. You'll get the admiration and our gratitude for getting it right. That's our special prize for the day. (laughs) So here here is the question. For a game-worn shirt Babe Ruth wore while on the New York Yankees, 
What did it go for? How much did a Babe Ruth jersey go for? When was this auction? 2019. I know Lynchy's going to know the answer down to the cent. Mm, I know the Mickey Mantle baseball see? card. See, see, Because that was symmetrical. It was 1952, and it went for 5.2 million. But Babe Ruth's jersey. Yeah, this is the Babe. I'm going to say 22.1 million. I'm going to say five million. The Babe Ruth jersey, game worn, went for five point six oh. million dollars. <laughs> uh, actually, you know what? You get on stage uh, oh, for real because you are under. You didn't bid over, Lynchy. He totally won. <laughs> he totally won. So you get to get on stage and play plinko. And and enjoy all the accolades. By the way, I should add too. Last year, jersey worn by Brooklyn Dodgers star Jackie Robinson back in the fifties. Uh huh. It sold for four point two million dollars. And by the way, Jackie Robinson Day, April fifteenth, my birthday. Oh, I did, I did, that's why I always remember I that, love that date. You know, it's like I can't forget it. So I'm glad Jackie Robinson Day. Yo, perfect. Uh, I love it. Uh, see that? Oh, oh, and Lynchy won. Yeah, we need to say that. So, yeah. yes, yes, Lynchy won. You know, it's you know he, he gets all bent out of shape if you don't say he won. So you know, Lynchy, you you won. Congratulations, uh, and thank uh, you, Scarlett. We have some lovely party gifts. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We're here each and every week at the same time. Plus, online, wherever you get your podcast, you can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Scarlett Fu. I'm walking away with my tail between my legs <laughs> at Scarlett Fu on Twitter. Uh, come on, Scarlett. Now, there's always next week. Next we week, study hard. Week. Yes. Study hard, do your homework, and come back ready to play next week. I'm Mike Lynch. At Lynchy WCBB. And next week, we're going to give you the price of a Mike Lynch jersey when he used to play football. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. That's that's uh, that's just me being a fool. Uh, thank you for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big money in the world of sports. You are listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.